Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I am one of your hosts, Chris Waterman from Jacksonville, Florida, joined by May Finch of Jacksonville, Florida. Hello, hello. And we have Mr. Will Rotondi from Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, how's it going? Well, two of us might be like, you know, underwater and under siege from a, a tropical storm soon. Uh, so it's going it's just, well. It's just Florida life, just Florida things. Florida life. <laughs> really, the most important thing is like, did you stock up on snacks and like some booze or comfort stuff, whatever that is for you? I have snacks, frozen pizza, Easy Mac, whole nine yards. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's really the most important thing. Um, but yes, we are trying to uh, hopefully endure um, the, the tropical storm. Uh, well, it's Hurricane Ian, but it'll be tropical storm by the time it gets here. Hopefully, hopefully it does not affect our recording schedule for this Sunday. TBD, obviously, like we'll try to keep you posted on social media. Um, but yeah, that's that's what uh, two of us are up to. Will, what have you been up to? A whole lot of, I don't know, it's not a whole lot going on, man. It's got school and uh, just the usual, taking care of this backyard that I've been uh, updating. So that's been a lot of fun, house projects, but uh, no, pretty quiet. Very cool. Um, we are going to do a, a little opener segment here. I've prepared a bit of a surprise or spontaneous uh, opener for my guests. Uh, so what we've done, we are all currently paused on uh ryan reynolds twitter account i've seen this <laughs> video um but my co-host haven't so i thought it'd be fun to watch them react in real time so i'm gonna give a little countdown here and i'll probably edit the clip in um so that it plays uh as you guys uh react so feel free to uh react in any way that feels natural to you uh are you both ready as i'm ready i will ever be <laughs> okay great here comes the countdown three two one go hey everyone uh we're extremely sad to have missed d23 but we've been working very hard on the next deadpool film for uh a good long while now i've had to really search my soul on this one uh his first appearance in the mcu obviously needs to feel special we need to stay true to the character uh find new depth new motivation new meaning <laughs> Every Deadpool needs I want to that stand typewriter. out and stand apart. <laughs> it's been an incredible challenge nice little plug that for has his forced there. me to reach down <laughs> mm -hmm. deep inside. And I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's just completely empty up here. That's going to become a reaction gift. But we did have one idea. <laughs> hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? Yeah, sure, Ryan. <laughs> nice. Amazing. All righty. So that's the news uh hugh jackman is back as wolverine uh in <laughs> the new deadpool which is going to be part of the mcu uh what do you what's your reactions um on that i'll, I'll go last i'm i'm uh, curious to hear what you both think about this 
it felt very Deadpool, but also just very Ryan Reynolds. I loved the the opening with like the inspirational music and like the sunlight filtering behind his head. <laughs> uh, great, great use of visual comedy. Um, again, I I want that typewriter he had, but I'm I'm excited. It's the probably the best like promo I've seen for MCU stuff recently. I'm sorry, I can't avoid shitting on Marvel. <laughs> Whatever we talk about that. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yo, no, it's okay. What about you, Will? Uh, I don't know. I'm stoked. I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and I've enjoyed Deadpool. So I'm really excited to see how that turns out. I mean, it's you're already setting yourself up for a lot of expectation, but I feel like they can deliver. So I'm ready. Let's do it. I love the lack of fanfare of that. Like the MCU is normally so guarded, you know, and like secretive. Mm -hmm. It was such a breath of a breath of fresh air, excuse me, to see Hugh Jackman just nonchalantly walk across the background there, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's um, I think as May said, very uh, on point with what Deadpool was supposed to feel like. So, um, yeah, I think if you're going to, if Hugh Jackman's going to resume his role, I love that he's going to be in Deadpool because we already got the super serious grounded Logan, which I loved. Like, it's, I think, one of the best superhero movies ever. If uh, you've never seen it, like, it is fabulous. Um, Marianne, who doesn't like superhero movies at all, like, loved it. Um, it's great. Uh, but I think uh, I could do with um, Wolverine being in an R-rated Deadpool movie. I think it's a great fit. It, like, fits the mythology, too, you know, with Deadpool to typically being kind of tied to the X-Men. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all, all for it. I just thought that was uh, a, a great alternative way to do that. So, um, well yeah. done, I guess, Marvel for not exactly like... Um, uh, uh, what's the, the opposite of low-hanging fruit but um yeah like uh <laughs> people are going to be excited obviously but i think it was a smart move to do it that way yeah well very cool uh i so i may i know you've mentioned you like deadpool a lot you've seen both the deadpool movies then um i i like him more than a lot of the other uh like superhero characters just just because like he's he's funny he doesn't take himself too seriously i feel like i got kind of burnt out of like the self-important superheroes which is part of why i'm excited for this one um just like you said breath of fresh air compared to kind of the like almost over marketed hype um of a lot of superhero films these days oh, man the current phase of the mcu i don't i don't know how you feel well i can probably guess how you feel may if you've even engaged in them, but <laughs> they've not done much for me like i have not watched the last several shows like the last oh. few movies i've gone to i've just felt mostly numb like a, a few chuckles here and there but um there, there's just a general lack of um excitement or anything new which kind of sucks you know i mean Endgame and infinity war were awesome like i think those are like excellent examples of like uh, how you do a glorious payoff and really build to something that feels special and, and epic in scale but i just i have not given a fuck man like i, I haven't <laughs> thought about them since i've seen any of them i have had no urge to watch them which is not something i'm used to because I, I generally speaking have enjoyed for the most part um my journey through the mcu so except for spider-man uh no way home that was the exception mm -hmm. but that's I think also, again, pretty low-hanging fruit. Like, you are literally 
making me engage with my childhood, you know, like, like the nostalgia factor was super high on that one. But. I, uh, I have a very short anecdote to, I guess, somewhat explain my, my Marvel hatred, my, my Marvel Please. villain backstory. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, the breaking point for me actually was Infinity War. I went to go see that with a friend in college and just hated it. <laughs> um, it's, I have a long list of problems with the movie, but it just, it generally seemed like, like, like you said, it is setting up like high stakes for like a much larger, like later payoff, but I just, I couldn't get on board with the stakes. Like they never felt very real to me. It felt like it was too much almost like if every superhero movie is about the end of the world or, you know, the end of the universe, I guess, in this case. Um, it's hard to like feel like every single instance in the same universe is as important. And I just got really burned out by the time Infinity War came. Um, yeah, that's a fair. There's been a lot of those movies like in a pretty short period of time. So, I and that's... Uh, my friend agreed with me and we actually burned our tickets after we watched the show. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like, you know, as much as you can shit on like the DCEU, um, I think that's, what makes that's that very low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I think what what you know, say what you want about like holistically, what's made uh, some of that work better for me than like the MCU lately is like those like one off films like Joker and like the Batman and the Suicide Squad, not not Suicide Squad, but the Suicide Squad, the James <laughs> Gunn one, um, because like they there's not that pressure to f- have everything feel connected. And like none of the stories have been like really like world ending shit. Like now they did like the Justice League movie, which, you know, is like a totally different beast. But like um, I enjoy them for that reason. Like I I, I love mm-hmm. oh, and then like the emancipation of Harley Quinn, um, like that whole thing was fucking great. Birds of Prey, like the emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever the full title was, was amazing because the, it was small in scale and it was more of like a character driven thing. Um where it's not trying to be like family friendly like the the marvel quipism is really getting old pretty fucking quick man like <laughs> yes. ragnarok was yes. an abomination like that was and i love taika like um i i do and like it, ragnarok had some funny moments but like i feel like they took everything that like the like the mcu is like kind of done not wrong but like where like it, it's almost become um like a pastiche like of itself i don't know it's just like oh man this i'm not enjoying this at all like at all like you you're taking the wrong lessons like from why people like these movies but it is what it is so yeah i think I, at that point i just so i actually liked ragnarok but i i totally agree with your point I oh just not think ragnarok I'm... sorry sorry i let me correct myself before the internet destroys me love and thunder <laughs> love and thunder i love ragnarok, oh, ragnarok was great that's, love and thunder that's reasonable love and thunder. that's reasonable yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> ragnarok's great uh love and thunder is what i mean i i have no no problems with ragnarok i think that's one of the best mcu movies so please don't murder me in the comments everybody <laughs> Chris is going to edit that part out. It's okay. <laughs> no, no Chris, you've got to leave it in. No, I'll leave it in. I'm fallible. I'm fallible. Uh, and yeah, just to bring it back to Deadpool, I think that's part of why I I love the first Deadpool movie is because it's like, yeah, there's a greater threat there, but it's also just a very personal revenge story, right? Like, So we'll see. Maybe this is what the MCU needs. Um, I kind of sort of enjoyed the new doctor strange but that's only because sam Raimi. like that's probably the most interesting it's gotten and 
surprise surprise it's one of the most polarizing mcu fans like there are people that hated it because it wasn't like the familiar mcu fair you know you see literally a walking corpse like getting smacked around and stuff and people are like what is this and it's like oh this is what i came for right here man this is the same ramy at his <laughs> finest <laughs> you know um, but yes okay well enough about the mcu uh let's have a quick side quest and then we're going to be jumping into uh speaking of james gunn talking about slither which is our film of the show it's a camper cringe so let's uh let's draw a side quest see what we got here that's such a satisfying sound a little shuffle <laughs> okay so this is and i'd like to thank so this is where we talk about a film that is influential in your life um, got you into movies or has some sort of special place for one reason or another um i actually got one for for this if um if either of you guys are wanting to go um you can otherwise like i'm, I'm happy to talk about a movie here i say take it away fantastic so my nomination is casablanca um this mm. is a special mm. film to me uh because i watched it with my grandmother for the first time and it's what made me realize as like a adolescent that classic film was awesome and that like being snooty about black and white and like quote unquote old movies was like a pretty stupid thing like i was not expecting to like it i was like oh this is like you know i was like the little boy in the princess bride like this is there's like some like romantic like you know i don't know smoochy movie like it's old as shit it's parodied all the time like i knew all the like the references you know all the lines and stuff and uh i was glued to the you know to the television for the hour and a half plus runtime and uh it quickly became like one of my favorite movies ever i think it's um just a great example of an excellent script um being acted impeccably and uh it stands the test of time um and it's what really sent me on my journey from there i started watching all manner of films you know from uh, yeah, kind of worked back to like citizen kane and like uh picked up like this uh, book of like afi 100 greatest movies which is a list they revised at least once i think and just literally started going through and just like boom boom like watching as much as i could get my hands on uh renting stuff from the library so um yeah special movie for that reason and uh it's just one of the best ever have you both seen casablanca i actually Not have probably. i know i haven't seen a lot of classic films but i have seen that one and um i i remember thinking similarly that i had low expectations of it as an old film i was a kid so of course i was used to all the like you know flashy colorful stuff and i hadn't really seen much classic film yet um, so I was like pleasantly surprised that I enjoyed it overall as a movie. Um, and I think what really stuck out to me is, uh, so I, I play piano and I've been playing piano since I was quite young. And the first song I ever learned was Heart and Soul. And then my parents taught it to me. And I found out later it's because they both loved this movie so much uh, that they individually learned how to play the song. And so that was kind of a cool connection for me. And well, you said you've seen it as well. Yeah, I've man probably college was the first time um, I, I don't think that my folks were really my dad's probably more into Casablanca than my mom is but I feel like I didn't see this until college in film class and uh definitely appreciate it for what it is um, I love going back and watching it 
even now I, my wife had never seen it until recently and so she watched it for the first time this past year and yeah it's great i mean i love uh was it captain renault who's always got yeah. all the great one-liners in that um and it's claude rains i think but mm -hmm. but yeah i mean classic film timeless in a lot of ways and yeah it's great I'm shocked, shocked to find that there's gambling going on here. Here's your winning, sir. You're well, winning, you. sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, like I, there's so many scenes that like still like have such a strong emotional impact on me. My favorite is probably the, um, you know, La Marseillaise, like when they, the, the Germans are like singing, you know, and uh, Victor Laszlo goes over to the band and makes them play, you know, La Marseillaise, which is like the, the French national anthem and the whole crowd drowns out the Germans. Like I get teared up every time I watch that scene because it's just so powerful and amazing. And just the emotion on everyone's faces, you know, you've got kind of the, the trampy like lady that's like in love with Rick who like is trying to make him jealous by, you know, hitting on like the German soldiers. And like, she's like got tears running down her face and like singing it. It's just such an amazing moment uh, and a movie packed with amazing moments. Um, and I think like one of the most unconventional endings, man, like props for being like, that must've been ballsy back then to honestly not yeah. ha have them end up together. Right. Like, I, I just, I love it. I was shocked. I was shocked as a kid. Like, what the fuck? Like they're uh, all this. And like, he, like she's getting on the plane <laughs> and he's not, Oh, that's what that line meant. Oh, right, right, right. Right. You know? <laughs> Very cool. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, it's definitely like in Princess. You would be like a, the kid in Princess Bride, saying, "You're reading it wrong. That's not how the story is." You ends. showed me the wrong version, Grandma. Like, yeah. this is the TV edit or something. This yeah. is the bad ending. Where's the They're good ending? To end up together. What? What? No. That's cute. Wow. I'm. I probably had a similar reaction, but. <laughs> It's I, I like the antithetical, like, you know, to Hollywood uh, endings. And there, there's a handful of movies like from the 40s and 50s that um, mm -hmm. go against the grain. And I appreciate them for that, for sure. It feels almost like New Hollywood before New Hollywood in that way, I think a little bit. Uh, I'm now going to turn it over to Mr. Rotondi, who has nominated um, and just by coincidence, I might add, um, right on the cusp of October, um, Slither, which we're going to be discussing in the context of Camper Cringe. So take it away, Will. Awesome. Thanks. And yeah, Slither is very appropriate for Halloween, uh, just by the sheer number of, I feel like, horror films that it tries to throw out little nods to. Um, but I guess in a nutshell, it's about an alien parasite uh, that happens to come to Earth on a meteor. So that whole setup in and of itself, I would just the, seem kind of campy from the get go, but it involves a man named Grant, who is played by Michael Rooker, who ends up, he's been drinking and he almost borderline cheating on his wife after having an argument with her and going out to the local bar to get completely trashed. And he is hanging out with a lady named Brenda and they're kind of hanging out in the woods like you do i guess <laughs> and he ends up coming across this slug that has come out of the meteor that's kind of slowly slithering its way through the grass and he starts kind of poking at it and it shoots up a little spine that goes into his body and slowly starts to transform him into uh the interesting creature that we see at the culmination of the film um and along the way we're introduced to his wife uh 
Starla, who's played by Elizabeth Banks, as well as the local chief of uh, police, Billy, played by Nathan Fillion. And they and local law enforcement and to some extent other people in the town have to try and survive this uh, infestation of creatures, these little uh, worms, I guess, for lack of a better term, that are going around and trying to infect everybody to make them all part of this hive consciousness. So there's a lot of CG and practical blood and guts that take place after that. There's a lot of dead dogs, unfortunately. I'm sorry, May. There's a lot of, uh, I feel like cats, there's like a dead cat, cattle, even a deer. So there's a lot of animal fatalities in this film. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, I feel like this was kind of on par for what had was coming out around. What is this like? A, trying to think about how far back this was 06 maybe that this movie came out and I'm trying to remember like how I felt when I saw this film the first time because going back and watching it now I have very different impressions of this movie because <laughs> it's been a long time and I don't think I've watched it in between this and like that would have been college so yeah that's just imagining the mindset of when I saw this and probably also feeling like coming off of watching Firefly and knowing Nathan Fillion predominantly for that so just like watching I guess a less mopey Mal Reynolds try to go around and kill some aliens was was entertaining in that respect but yeah going back and watching this again there are whew, there are some things to talk about so <laughs> before we jump into all that and deciding on exactly whether we would call this camp or cringe or both to one degree or another I guess a really friendly refresher is that camp is considered the aesthetic style that inverts our conception of what's traditionally beautiful or realistic by replacing it with the unrealistic, the outlandish, or just bad taste spectacle. So something that's cheesy, naive, or has a lot of shock value. I would say before we jump into some specific stuff, I've got a few items that I'd like to talk about, but I know that just based on time, and there's quite a bit you can unpack from this film, uh, we may end up cutting some of it or discussing some items that I'm sure you guys want to talk about too. So give it a, you know, an equal round on that. But as always, first impressions. So I will uh, turn it over to you, Chris, to give us your thoughts. And had you seen this film before? Or was this the first time for you? No, so I first saw it um, a few years after it came out uh, at a buddy's house for Halloween. And I remember like loving it then. And then during quarantine, Marianne and I watched it. And uh, I'm not sure what you're going to say as far as like <laughs> your reaction, like now versus then. Um, <laughs> but I had a very different reaction where like there's some bits of this that like I still really love but i felt like it didn't age particularly as well as i thought it was going to like when i watched it and uh i soured on it uh quite a few levels um in terms of like i don't know rewatchability or like classic status and that kind of thing so this was not the first time i'd seen like i said as recently as like maybe a year and a half ago um my i mean overall impressions like i love nathan fillion i love elizabeth banks i think a lot of the effects works great in the the film um i think that there are like there is like um a strong james gunn stamp on this like a lot of his humor if you kind of track it to guardians and the suicide squad and if anyone's watched uh, peacemaker like i i can see like the through line there um but i couldn't help but think especially like the, uh, watching it this past week of sort of his uh near cancellation from like old tweets 
to him being like, hey, I, I've grown. And I think like the filmmaking kind of reflects that. And this movie almost <laughs> seems like that same James Gunn, maybe a little bit that, um, yeah. you know, made some of the jokes that he regretted and sort of like walked back, you know, and kept up and said like, yeah, this is like reflects kind of a different person in a different time. And like, it wasn't okay. Uh, another that I think this movie is like, yeah, mind you, like, um i don't know like taboo or like so like cringy that like um it's not worth like watching or something like that but um that's my general impression i guess not to to go too far down a tangent <laughs> no i mean it's i can definitely relate how about you may what are your thoughts uh very similar to chris's uh this was my first time seeing it period so i didn't have kind of that same shift you two talked about uh in time um and like having seen Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, is this just like small town cop version of Star-Lord? Because <laughs> it feels like small town <laughs> cop version of Star-Lord. <laughs> um, it, it it had moments when I was like, oh my God, and just kind of like impressed, like they had the guts to actually film scenes the way they filmed them. Um, and it was like uh, I, I was impressed and disturbed, which is kind of what I want from a horror film. Uh, <laughs> other moments that, yeah, were just kind of uh, like jokes that do not land. Um, and I think that my main problem with it is just that like for the risks it takes, it can't get away from kind of a hero's journey. Guy has to get the girl, like like, like a lot of tropes. It's very tropey in a way that doesn't seem to play with them or subvert them as much as I would have liked. So yeah, it was it was an experience. The the don't feel too bad. Well, the dogs were to me not super realistic and mm -hmm. did not make me too sad. Just a little sad. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, something we've seen like a, in a haunted house, right? Like that's yeah. what it reminded me of. Like yeah, yeah, kind of nondescript meat most of it. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> I I did feel really bad because there's that one moment where you actually hear a dog whimper and Ellie yeah. reacted to the screen and I was like, oh no, Ellie, it's Aww. okay, it's just a movie. <laughs> That's right. Weird alien worms can't hurt you. Exactly. <laughs> if not, we have NASA's defense for that now, so we just push that away from the planet. It's all right. But yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that too was it's sort of the same feeling of like, yeah, you you tried and I could see that what you were maybe going for, but it just didn't really stick the landing. And some of it's entertaining. Um, I felt like I really kind of kicked in once it became like we have to go out and fight this monster. And then it's sort of like the banter with the whole group together. I'm like, all right, I can kind of see that you, you got kind of a good rhythm going now. It's not so off-putting as it kind of felt for like the first 20 to 40 minutes or so but then after that it's just sort of kind of stumbled and kind of regained it and kind of lost it and by the end I'm like all right yeah okay well that was that was something <laughs> yeah. but I guess we'll talk a little bit more in detail about about that idea and sort of where we stand on camper cringe with some of the scenes that really stuck out to us so, and I have to ask, Bay, just out of curiosity, you talked about some of the stuff that you were just like, wow, they had the balls to do that. So before we go too far into one direction <laughs> or the other, would you mind either discussing one of them or would you be willing to kind of lay out a few of them? Uh, I mean, the first one for me is that like, um, Ian, I'll, 
in a lot of alien stories, especially like alien abduction or probing, there is kind of like a sexual subtext. And this just made it like, no, that that is text that is <laughs> in your face. Um, so I was kind of impressed with that, I guess, and disgusted at the same time, like I said. <laughs> uh, especially the scene. Um, like, oh, God, I just I can't imagine how awkward I must have been on set that day when they're filming the scene where Grant is infected and he goes to Brenda's house to, like, infect her. That is that is a long scene. And thank God they, like, cut it up with, like, flashing over to Starla and party at the party. But, yeah, <laughs> that, mm. was, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm yeah, shocked that all made purposes, it. It's, it's a rape scene, but with, like, alien appendages, like, and it's, yeah. like, directly into the womb. Like, I mean, that's that's what it, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It gives me the willies, for sure. It's 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 a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was a little shocked at that, but. The I think what I appreciated about that is like that is the, the subtext of a lot of alien abduction and kind of like body horror with alien abduction, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, you you just made this explicit, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, that was the main one. Uh, another was just when they finally find Brenda and she, spoiler alert, explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. uh so yeah just uh probably moments with the highest shock value i would say it's interesting you mentioned too with brenda because that's the first thing that came to my mind that turned me off watching this again was how they treated her character and i know that it's sort of piggybacking backing off of what you were saying that it's very typical in horror movies you know like people have sex and they die or somehow it's sexualized in the act of the horror that's taking place and you know even if we're one we wanted to think about this as like a an alien film too in the sense of the actual movie alien which was very much sexualized and about rape and so watching it it's you know the my first thought was okay so they're trying to sort of reference that but at the same point I just thought it was so I don't know it was so over the top and unexpected i guess because i sort of thought you know with james gunn and everything it's like it's going to be kind of quirky and dark but this just felt very dark to me watching it again and especially for his character to be so in control when he's around his wife to not you know harm her and yet he's like okay well i'm just gonna like go you know kill this other person to satisfy the creature's needs that's within me um i felt i don't know and the one respect i felt bad for him but at the same time it's like you know i i don't know because you have to you question like how much of him is in control and how much is not and what he has the power to do in what circumstance but yeah there was just a whole lot going on there i think that in some ways they tried to make it a little less intense by just sort of how like toward the end of it it almost looked like she was like rocking around in such a way to make it look like a like when somebody is taken over and they just sort of spasm in a goofy manner in certain uh science fiction horror to make it look like okay it's not as bad like there's not like a lot more i don't know necessarily like screaming like when people get attacked by aliens in that manner in other films that there usually is it was more just like okay now she's just convulsing and it's not like as 
big of a deal i feel like that may or may not that was just sort of a weird vibe that i got by the end of it but yeah then cut to when we see her later and how much she has been like uh, blown up like what veruca salt in charlie and the chocolate factory where yeah. it's like yeah uh because she is craving all of this raw meat like um just like her husband was too like grant was uh when he was infected and sorry not her husband rather but as grant was as well when he was infected and uh yeah it's just it's wild man um and i think that in some ways they still tried to make her character a little goofy toward the end like when she's making some crack about oh they're like eating through me right now but it yeah it just the whole thing just felt really awkward the entire way through and yeah and then after that it, it went back into like classic sort of quirky horror mode where okay these creatures are going and infecting everybody and we have to go shoot them all and it's okay and random death and destruction may happen and people may die but it won't be as like i don't know in your face and sort of disturbing as as that felt to me but i don't know chris you kind of mentioned a little bit too from that and watching it what uh anything to add or a uh, agree disagree I think with on that. it's disturbing as it is like the actually like the brenda storyline kind of works for me because it it does have that self-awareness of like there's the punitive aspect right for the somebody the person that has loose morals right so it does feel old school in that way of like she's the one that's transgressing so she's the one that's going to receive the punishment you know it's not really like a, a slasher you know that's like yeah. slitting your throat but um, she becomes sort of the vessel for, um, you know, uh, the, these gross uh, slugs, right? Um, so I, I I think for that reason, it it works a little. Uh, it's uncomfortable, certainly, and uh, it's grotesque. Like, the way her skin is stretched, like, that's actually one of the bits of the movie I, I really, um, I has, has to, to use the word enjoyed, but, like, I felt, like, still kind of held up, and, like, it was effective, right? Like, um in the that it was disturbing but it felt self-aware enough and like in line with the genre that like i was I was okay with it yeah Absolutely. um one, one more thought on the subject of brenda like in addition to just kind of like the like chris is saying with the way the like quote-unquote morally loose characters are treated in horror films there's also like the kind of madonna horror dichotomy going on mm. between starla and and brenda especially since starla is put up on this pedestal by this intergalactic parasite <laughs> as this kind of perfect pure ideal woman and put on a pedestal by the entire framing of the movie really um yeah. as as opposed to to brenda and i think i think that gets glossed over easily because it is kind of a throwaway line is the last time she saw grant she was a child and... oh god that yeah Ooh. i was game like when she was 10 or whatever it's like oh mm -hmm. god. that's an example of like one of the lines from eva i'm like i know you're supposed yeah. to be in south carolina no offense well but jesus so yeah. like uh, uh, there's yeah it's just it's it's clearly like not a super healthy dynamic there um and yeah, Brenda, Brenda deserved better. That's, that's all yeah. I'll say. 
Agreed. All I could think of uh, the entire time was the Tupac song, uh, Brenda's Got a Baby. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it was persistently running through my brain this was <laughs> which is oh, just no. a little sneak peek into what's going on up here. But um, yeah. Could you could you spin a little riff of that no. on the video oh, gosh, for no. us, no. or do you think nope, we get nope. we get flagged faster than anybody's business? Oh, uh, I'll play. I thought you were asking me to rap, and I was like, "Dear God, no!" <laughs> oh, oh wait, that'd be better. better. <laughs> yeah, because that yep. way we could have the whole thing, right? And you won't get in trouble because it's yeah, <laughs> nope. negative. Nope, I'm not touching that with a football. <laughs> We'll come back when the flow. hurricane comes through and you start having some alcohol to, you know, deal with it. We'll just, we'll come back to that. It's okay. That'll be Sunday. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a chance in hell though, but thank you nope. <laughs> for the invite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess while we're on the subject of sexual innuendo in this film, how about we talk about the uh, bathtub scene that takes place later when we have, we have uh, Kylie who is, the teenager who is introduced as the character who basically gives us the exposition that we need to understand what exactly these worms are, what their motivation is, besides just taking everybody over and eating a lot of animals, um, or possibly people too, I guess. Some people get, get chewed on. But the uh, it's interesting because in a lot of ways that seed is supposed to be like a, a callback, right? There's a couple of films. I mean, we've got like, um, what, Nightmare on Elm Street? Was that right? Like Freddy Krueger and the whole thing where there's a girl in the bathtub that falls asleep and then Freddy's hand comes up out of the water. Um, but then there was another film too. And I, I I wish I could remember it, but it was supposed to also be a, like a callback to another bathtub scene. So very much, I guess, in keeping with the, the referencing that they're trying to do, but also kind of reinforcing the fact that, yeah, a lot of horror is very much sexualized. But uh, I don't know, thoughts about that scene in particular, if that, seemed to stand out to you in any particular way besides that or uh what you what your thoughts were about that as being the way of explaining what's going on or anything else that might have come to mind and uh may i'll pass it back over to you <laughs> um it made me deeply uncomfortable the entire scene uh <laughs> um yeah i mean it's just the uh, the camera work is very suggestive, even when she's just like alone in the bathtub. Um, and it's like yeah. this, 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 this is a minor. I don't know if the actress was a minor then, but it just it felt very wrong from a camera direction perspective. Um, and like she, just, she essentially gives the larvae a, a blowjob and gets the info <laughs> that way. Yep. <laughs> and, um it's just yeah it's uh ridiculous and obscene simultaneously um in a way that i i don't know if it quite worked because it even though it was supposed to then explain the exposition dump that felt came light later um that exposition dump still felt very clunky to me mm -hmm. and weird and I also, I'm not sure, like, what we're supposed to be thinking or feeling about Kylie as a character. She seems kind of like, last minute, they're like, oh, we need an extra character to, like, do these three things in the plot. So we're going to mm -hmm. just make her up suddenly. Because, <laughs> um, like, she delivers exposition. She uh, saves Party's life. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. <laughs> uh i so i love a good bathtub scene not to sound pervy uh you know bathtubs and showers like 
going back to Diabolique, you know, in the 50s and Psycho in the 60s. Ellie is like, shaming you. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay, <laughs> Ellie. We're friends still. Um, you know, like there's a vulnerability in those. Those are like safe spaces, you know, and like there's a vulnerability to being naked and, you know, in the tub or in the shower. And I, I they make for some of the best, like, you know, traditionally anyway, like scenes of like really adding to... Uh, that feeling of vulnerability and and sort of dread and terror um but yeah like i i i think that the scene itself um works well for me i even kind of like the i i know it's um it's a little sexualized but i kind of like like it worked for me like the screwball like again it felt very evil dead um mm -hmm. with like the struggle with the the parasite and all of that i hated the exposition dump um i don't I do feel like that character was there just to kind of serve that purpose and also like to have somebody in a bathtub. Like it could have just as easily been Elizabeth Banks and it would have worked fine. But um, I, I don't think that you always need a motivation for your monsters, right? Or really to even explain it. Um, although they do a similar thing and it didn't bother me in the thing where they kind of explain like what that is or maybe it's more the implications. But in any event, sometimes I think it's just scarier for something to be, you know, I don't need to know like it's entire, like, you know, uh, existence, like history and like <laughs> what its motivations are in order we to make also, it scary. You know, from the opening scene that it came in on an asteroid too, which yeah. is like, it, okay, it's an alien. That's all I got to know. <laughs> right. And you can kind of put two and two together. Like as you're seeing the town being taken over, like presumably it's going to continue to spread. Right. I feel like the threat of like, um, global catastrophe is pretty much just implied by what you're seeing it doing in this small town right mm -hmm. but um so yeah the like that part of it didn't work for me and uh again i'm fine with the scene it's I, like i said I, I think you can really do some some creepy interesting things around bathtubs and showers or you know same thing with you know sleeping right like scenes where people are sleeping i think that's what makes nightmare on elm street work so well um mm -hmm. but i i don't feel like that character serve much of a purpose at all i think in some ways when i watched it my first gut reaction and sort of thinking about it in the context of the where they end up at the end of the film uh was that she was very much like newt from aliens in some ways or trying to be not in that i don't agree that newt in aliens it was unnecessary because i liked her character and that character was necessary to that storyline but i felt like they were trying to go for that a little bit with the we're going to throw in this extra character who somehow survives where everybody else doesn't who's younger and may provide some helpful feedback um kind of like newt gave a little bit of feedback in aliens to help the marines out and then is sort of shown as like part of this family unit that makes it out of the mm -hmm. end that we've got kind of in the scene which i'm kind of my head if for the youtube video my head is obstructing her but having her and billy and starla all together and sort of reinforcing that family dynamic at the very end is making it out felt very much like how it was with newt and ripley at the end and of hicks. aliens and hicks yeah. oh yeah r.i.p hicks love that guy but yeah so <laughs> uh but yeah no it, that that was sort of what i thought and i don't know if that's true or not but that was just kind of the, the vibe that i got so it was like no, okay. that felt very intentional just kind of a yeah. re restoration of the american family after yeah. after all this chaos yeah 
cleaner than divorce in some ways. You know what I mean? No, no ugly arguments with lawyers. You just throw a few. I mean, that, that got very ugly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, nothing to some oxyclean and, you know, like, oh, God, a few mops will take care of. Uh, it's funny yeah. because, like, I, I like that you bring up the comparison to aliens because um, there's a lot of people in, like, the academic community. Um, Dr. Sparks at Clemson was one of them who loathed aliens. They felt like making Ripley, like, into this, like, mother figure and then sort of that, like, traditional, like, family unit, like, at the end was, like, a slap in the face to the independent single woman, you know, that we saw in Alien. I think is a valid interpretation and frustration, but I never felt that. I, I feel like it, you know, overall, like the movie worked for me and like, I love it. Whereas like, I have the opposite reaction in this one where I was just like, ah, this is so predictable. Like, uh, like you can see this coming from a mile away. I think as May said earlier, you're not subverting it at all. Like yeah. this is ending exactly where I thought it was going to for the most part. Um, and it's just kind of like, man, like you, you played around with so many other things. Like, why not have a little bit of fun with, uh, with this in some, some way, shape or form? Um, I, I have a related comment, but I can hold on to it if we're going to talk about this later. But I, I, I would like to talk about just like all the random xenophobia and how that kind of connects to um, what we see here with the literal aliens. Yeah, go for it. Um, so like there's just like a lot of xenophobic joke jokes and comments throughout the film, um, mm. particularly against uh, like Asian people. And this 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 ending is kind of like part of that in, in, in terms of just reinforcing like the traditional good American family uh, against, you know, these these evil alien forces. Um, and like I, I was really trying to see if he was doing something more nuanced than that with all of those those like random jokes and comments that were sprinkled in i'd love to hear you guys' thoughts but that's kind of the conclusion i came to i will say as somebody who grew up in south carolina unfortunately it did seem pretty true to form to a lot of the say like people that uh, i interacted with um in a lot of different places in south carolina which is unfortunate but it's true um, and like yeah. living in the South, I'd agree. It just, it stood out to me just because like there are so few throwaway lines in a relatively short movie, but they're almost yeah. all some kind of a <laughs> racist joke. Sorry. Go ahead. Will. No, no, you're fine. I was just thinking that's, that seems pretty unfortunately typical. I feel like in a lot of, especially like the, the horror movies that try to have, I don't know, not intentionally obnoxious characters. It's like, if they're not xenophobic, then they're... <laughs> bigoted they'll make like homophobic comments as well uh mm -hmm. man, which also happens you know you've got the i feel like the mayor was definitely leading most of that um yes and that's clearly to make him you know look in like more of a dirt bag right mm -hmm. um yeah but like i don't know with the xenophobic comics like the first one was made by bill i think uh with mm -hmm. like the the gina joke um yeah and yeah it just didn't didn't seem to be a like tool to show that they were you know morally flawed i think that comes from a certain period of movie where like edginess sometimes meant like you just say things that are uh shocking or crass right and like mm -hmm. I, I like i think back to like the early 2000s to mid 2000s especially like um 
even like movies like you know super bad which i still like love a lot and some of those early jet apatow movies has have a lot of that stuff because it's like that like edginess like equals like you I'm, know, I'm familiar um, with edgelords yes <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah and it's funny because like sometimes movies will tackle like you know uh not to go too far into the weeds like some of those judd apatow movies will will tackle some really like complicated things like in a, a surprisingly nuanced heartfelt way and then like somebody will you know use a homophobic slur like out of nowhere and you're like oh man uh like why did, why is that ne- you know why did it feel necessary at the time and like it it did you know it's the, one of those things that like obviously is talked about uh, a little more openly now but it wasn't really um discussed then i think you you were part of the group that came over to watch anchorman right may yes. we screen that same kind of thing right where like there's some bits of that where you're like this movie's still overall great but also like oof uh wouldn't wouldn't do that <laughs> like if this is made today um yeah i just um i don't know this for a film that like seems like very self-aware in, in certain things like with the whole um the whole hunting premise for instance they're going deer hunting and then mm-hmm. uh get attacked by uh, alien zombie deer <laughs> mm-hmm towards the end of the film um it just it seemed more intentional than that to me but it yeah. i could also just chalk it up to the culture of the time yeah i'd be interested to see i'm sure people on the internet like they always do probably have opinions and have spoken about that I'd be kind of interested to see what kind of discussion you know is formed around that mm-hmm. Some, like film reddit and stuff but <laughs> i think what i'd like to do is either if either of you have something that also stood out that you want to make sure that we talk about i kind of like to open it up to that here um or if there is an aspect of this film that you also felt was trying to pay homage i know that's not technically what the the point of this was for this film but i feel like there were so many references and callbacks in it in fact there's like a uh, i found an article i can probably share if you want to throw it down in the chat um later that just talked about how much seemed to influence this film or they they tried to reference in this film as a callback in some way um whether you've got mccready who's the the mayor who is like supposed to be referencing um kurt russell's character from uh the thing or if we're talking about some of the other horror tropes that we've seen in it Uh, So I was curious if there was either something with that that stuck out to either of you, or if there was another scene that was really, that you felt was eh, a good, I guess, contested in terms of whether we want to push that meter far over to the camp or back over to the cringe. And uh, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and throw it back over to you, sir, to see if there's anything else you'd like to, to add in that. It's mostly like the, for me, like the little things, um, the, the very obvious riff on the predator music when they're getting all the guns out of the, the the gun safe and the grenades, you know, um, there, these people are obviously like the opposite of green berets. Right. But (laughs) I, I, I enjoyed that. Like kind of just like, I, I, you know, I like, I like musical cues and things like that. So I thought that was a fun little tip of the hat. Um, we talked about the nightmare on elm street i feel like there is like some sam raimi-esque um aspects the discovery of the slug itself um mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of the blob if you've ever seen that like the original mm-hmm. steve mcqueen uh which literally it's like 
the guy pokes it like the meteor with a stick and then the slime crawls up the stick and gets on his arm right um and uh, i really like the town coming together and sort of the growing threat uh has a lot of like I, to me i see a lot of the blob um in this uh in this movie so those are just a few of them um that like i i enjoyed um i think it was self-referential a lot like you know and, and self-aware of like what came before and i think that add, added to my enjoyment of it all i wanted to say was i'm glad that you mentioned the predator thing because I totally noticed that too, but then I was like, is that exactly the same tune or was that somebody did like a little bit of a riff on it? So it sounds close, but it's not quite. And it was, yeah, it's it was like, no, nah, it's not yeah. really there. We're not stepping on anybody's copyright, but we were definitely emulating it. So that's it. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. I don't have too much to add. The two things I picked up on were, and I, again, I'm not sure if this is a reference or not, but if you guys have ever watched Stargate, the, um, mm -hmm. one of the alien races, uh, is also like worm-like and like lives in its host's stomachs. And that felt like a pretty intentional reference there. Mm. Um, and similarly, like, you know, controls the brain and is like prioritized with colonization and uh giving birth to itself basically so um that my mind immediately went to to stargate when i saw that uh the other thing is just the the dialogue got very like joss whedon-y at certain points <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially bill he had this one line when he um I can't remember the exact words, but he, he said something kind of like brash. And then he was like, oh, there goes my like, you know, cool guy demeanor or something like that. I'm like, I, I groaned. I groaned out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, so, yeah, the, the Joss Whedon dialogue definitely moved it closer to cringe for me. <laughs> Maybe one day that'll come around to being camp again. But today is not that day. <laughs> nice you, you did remind me of one other reference which is the wrath of khan like there's definitely some like when the things are mm. going into the body um one of the biggest non-horse like movie like scenes that fucking frightened me like to no end as a kid was that year yeah. scene in the wrath of khan oh geez, um, yeah. like so that's all i'll say i don't know if may seen wrath of khan so i don't want to like get too specific but boy no, you're good um, you're good <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah, poor Chekhov, dude. Like that. I remember being disturbed by that when I was a kid, too, and watching that. And yeah, for a Star Trek film, like they definitely, after watching that stuff as a television series and then going from that to film and watching that kind of violence, I mean, it was pretty surprising, I think, or at least I would imagine it was back then. It was to me as a kid, but then again, a lot of stuff seemed to affect me as a kid, as we've talked about in my therapy sessions on this podcast that um, <laughs> have definitely influenced who I am today. Uh, Jaws, thank you, E.T., and uh, the weird fucking creature from uh star trek so cool we've we've got a bingo on there now a trifecta but uh i feel like there was yeah oh and stargate i'm glad that actually you you brought that up may because uh yeah stargate sg1 gotta show some some credit there yeah oh, if that makes you feel any better that traumatized me as a child especially stargate atlantis i really mm -hmm. yeah. could not stand the the, the wraiths mm -hmm. yeah they were pretty creepy, weren't they? I'm trying to think yeah. about, it's been a long time since I've watched any of those television series, which were very different from the movie. But yeah, that is a good point. All right, guys. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up what I've got on my end. Any last thoughts, questions, concerns, complaints? 
this has been an interesting one to watch with other people <laughs> again because I couldn't tell if I was just being grumpy like when I rewatched it about a year and a half ago. I was just saying like, <laughs> you know, just because I had such a different reaction than I was expecting. Like sometimes you like rewatch a movie and you're expecting it to have like gotten better with like time and age. And it always kind of sucks when you're like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I haven't recommended this to anybody recently. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that far for this by any stretch, but yeah. I was just gonna say I am I'm ready to give my verdict. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, May, take it away. Tell us what you think. Uh Ellie is also delivering her verdict. Uh, I don't know if you can hear her. But, uh, <laughs> she didn't like the dog scene. I'm sorry, Will. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who would who would like that? <laughs> um, yeah, so um this film had a lot of points where it was self-aware and self-referential. And like I said, like did did some some ballsy things as a horror movie that uh didn't quite land with me, but you know, uh I guess I respected the shock value, if nothing else. Um that being said, um my kind of earlier criticism is my main criticism of it not really doing much to subvert any of the many tropes that it's playing with. And I do like all the pop culture references it's making to like the genre, but um, it just didn't feel like it was much outside of those cobbled together like references and tropes. So I, yeah, I'm going to have to go with cringe. Um, I also just, uh, I, I I really am tired of characters like Starla, who are literally just trophies for the Nathan Fillions of the film industry to snatch up at the end of the movie. Would have been really cool if they'd subverted that. I probably would have said it was camp if they had done something different, but mm-hmm. alas, it is cringe for me. I hear you. That's one for cringe. All right, Chris, what do you say? I'm going to say that it's camp, but it's bad camp. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to give it the camp vote with the stipulation that I don't think it's fully successful. I think the intent is there and I think there's enough there that I can call it a campy movie, but I would use it as an example of like camp that's not that doesn't really work, which I know sounds like that means that would be cringe, but um, I don't think it's fully like cringe. Uh, like, I think like compared to like, say something like snakes on a plane, this movie sets out, I think, a little bit more to, you know, have a bit more of an agenda, we'll say, and to play with some stuff. I just don't, I, like uh, May said, I don't think it goes far enough, um, but I'm going to say it's camp, but just not good camp. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I definitely think you can be bad at something and not immediately make that mean that you are then something else so wow that really did not come out the, as good as i thought it was when i thought it <laughs> i i got you i i yeah. follow your drift <laughs> it's all right it is all good man but yeah so i would have to agree that i'm gonna go with uh, agree with may on this one i think this was more cringe for me um I definitely agree with you, Chris, that this was not what I remembered, I guess, if I mind. I guess I, I remembered it being goofier and more, I don't know. I guess the goofiness that I thought I remembered from it equated in my mind to something that could have been campy. And I sort of went into it expecting it to be campy and thinking, yeah, this was, you know, James Gunn. This, 
it's guardians right same sort of thing just maybe not as far along as before and yeah when i watched it i thought no this is this is not what i remember but then again this is also i guess a, a, a period in my life where i had a different headspace and maybe what i took away from this is not nearly what i would take away from it now so but yeah so that's a that's a cringe for me too it's and like you see like how far um you know he's come like uh, like i said i love peace as somebody who is burned out on superhero shit may um uh it's it's quite <laughs> violent but it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen like and john cena is just miraculous in it but you have a character in there that is like a white supremacist right and they're very cl- close in a relationship to peacemaker and he has to grapple with that and like i'll just say it's his dad you know and like his upbringing and all that kind of stuff and realizing like what he was learning to do as a superhero and like some of his actions like were influenced by somebody who was like a bad person right so there's more self-awareness there um it does subvert expectations so it's like i i could see where he was trying to get to and i appreciate it as a step on the journey and i'm glad that he's sort of like taken it further and like learned some lessons but um yeah all right guys well that's all i've got for this i appreciate you being willing to check out slither and uh see how all that went and so now i guess i'm gonna turn it over to you for the next uh for i guess our game that we'll have coming up no game actually today we're actually uh i think we're gonna um in the interest of time and also to talk about what is coming up uh this month in october um Mm -hmm. gonna give a little like tease of the what the game board looks like so and explain what we're doing for the uh, for the month of october so um we are going to be pivoting from our main quest going to take a month off and instead we have something called scream quest prepared for you we'll have a featured guest every week and we will be doing uh largely double features where the guest will nominate a film uh, in a category that they're excited about so we've created categories again but allowed the guests to pick the category this time. So we still have a little bit of that randomness that we've uh, enjoyed on screen quest, um, but also a little more like focus since it is a, a one month thing. We as a host will also be posting a Twitter poll, which is actually live now and should still be live uh, when this episode goes up where you as the audience for the first time can have influence on what that second film is going to be. So again, keeping the chaos train rolling, uh, (laughs) we'll have three nominees, uh, one from each of us. We won't tell you whose is who. We're simply going to let the film speak for themselves and you can tell us what you want us to watch and uh, discuss within the context of the topic that our guest host has uh, chosen. So yeah, enjoy that. Uh, Would you guys like to see the uh the game board i know like you physically won't be able to see it because of the way that uh our setup works but i promise I'll i would love to chris but i can't once we're done yes <laughs> once we're done recording so without further ado here is our game board shout out to mr rotondi for his lovely uh art skills he designed our game board our card backs our card fronts and um i think it looks great again i'll show both of you um <laughs> once we're <laughs> off uh recording so you can see it as well uh, but that's what we got cooking for october Woo. you can engage with us as always on uh, social media on twitter specifically at screen quest pod not scream quest but screen quest pod um on twitter uh, so i highly encourage you if you listen to the show look out for those polls uh they'll traditionally probably be going out like sunday or monday 
Um, so be on the lookout for them and vote on what you want to see us talk about. This is your time to shine as the audience members and, uh, you know, um, throw, throw a little more of that chaos our way. We'd love it. And I think that's about all I have to discuss um, for, for Screen Quest. I'm very excited for it. I think this is going to be kind of a nice little change for October. Um, I love horror, so. Keep in mind, audience members, this is your unique opportunity to decide exactly how terrified I get every week. So don't miss <laughs> out on that. <laughs> would, would you say that you have maybe the, um, the weakest stomach for horror films? or the greatest propensity to be scared may do you think that out of us <laughs> i mean when you put it like that <laughs> i'm just asking i'm asking I, there's no, I, you can say i have no, a I weak i have a weak stomach for queasiness i do sure. love psychological horror mm-hmm. um i may I mean, or may more not like, be how's easily your backbone? scared like weak weak stomach maybe is not the best thing like well, how's your backbone are you are, like do you scare easy or are you like you like I that's information I don't want my enemies to have Chris okay <laughs> I, I will tell you flat out like there's certain genres that I'm a fucking chicken about um there's no logical rhyme or reason so um within the horror I, I like it nonetheless but like there's some shit that uh I will straight up say I'm a coward like I will uh hide like a like a little uh scared uh wilting <laughs> flower like afterwards you know how about you will what's your what's your uh threshold like do you think you scare easy or you because there's people that just don't flinch like at all they're like yeah i enjoy that but nah yeah i don't think there's anything that's really made me physically jump watching it but i think that really? it sort of has weirded me out um that i thought about later and i let my imagination play with a little bit too much mm-hmm. uh that's definitely come up I'm trying to think if there's any really good examples, but I, I think just generally, yeah, it's more of like a, I guess if there's something that has like a really loud noise, sometimes it's almost involuntary. I will say I probably have jumped maybe once or twice, but anything that's just sort of like, I don't know, even stuff that's meant to just be like shock value, like something that flashes at the screen really quickly, like some of the, um, like, I think it's, is it James Wan who does a lot of like the, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the the name of the conjuring. Yes, the conjuring. Thank you. Yeah, stuff like that where it's like jump scares and everything. And I appreciate that. I actually like when it's stuff that sort of sneaks up on up on you. Um, I'll even say I really I I could dig signs. I know a lot of people hate that film by Shyamalan, but for me, I still that was still when I appreciated the stuff he was doing, and I thought that that one. Maybe it was just the jump scares. It was the stuff that you didn't know what it was, but it was out there. You could see a shadow or you weren't really sure. And I I like that. I like watching that kind of anticipation of what's going to come around the corner. Um, that's why I like Alien. And to a large extent, Aliens. I mean, I, I love me some Space Marines, man. That was less about the horror and what was more about the action. But I think just sort of not knowing what's around the corner and if you can see it and if you see it, what it looks like and... Yeah, that stuff weirds me out, but in a good way, surprisingly. So, so is sci-fi horror your favorite like subgenre within horror? I would have to say, yeah, definitely. I gravitate to sci-fi a lot, and so for that, I can make that step over into into horror pretty easily. Although I guess I've seen, well, nah, I guess not. <laughs> I feel like probably anything you talk about for horror was probably science fiction to some degree. So nice. And May, would you say psychological horror is your favorite like subgenre within? Um, if that or science fiction horror too. Um, I honestly I don't watch a lot of horror. 
generally. It's going to be a hell of a month for you, potentially yeah, eight films. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what have I it's, signed it's, up for? It's called systematic desensitization. You like, it'll get a little better. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm excited. It's it's mostly just like I think I've mentioned I had like some very very strict uh, content controls on uh, my household when I was growing up. So like I just never had access to any like scary movies and then when I was in college I just didn't really have any friends that wanted to watch scary movies and I feel like that's that's generally been a communal thing for me like if someone has wanted to go to a horror movie or a scary movie I've been down but um this podcast is a great way of holding me down and holding my eyelids open and <laughs> getting me to watch some more <laughs> uh, yeah look I'll make you a promise like I'm gonna buy some gourmet popcorn um because I always like to in October and if you if you need a couple of buddies, Marianne and I got you. You can come over and uh, you know. Uh, Amazing! I'm going to hold Sumter on my lap. Yeah, I, he's pretty hefty. I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're welcome to try. Um, yeah. So, um, last thing. Uh, speaking of good horror movies, I highly recommend Barbarian. I'm not going to say anything about mm. it. Other than you should go in blind and go see it. It was excellent. It's a great way to start off the spooky season. And, uh, oh, I guess my favorite uh, horror genre. Um, it's probably a toss-up for me for, like, for creature horror. So stuff like The Thing, American Werewolf in London, I love. Um, or, like, old-school slashers. I think there's so many interesting sociopolitical things that go on in some of them. Some of them not. Some of them are just fun, like... You can't really argue that many of the Friday the 13th movies are <laughs> very like deep, <laughs> but that's also why I like them. Um, Maryanne frequently rolls her eyes like, so, you know, every other year or so do like a marathon and just blitz through all of them um, just because they're they're a perfect thing to just have on in the background. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm largely desensitized to anything being remotely scary so it's just mostly watching the creative gore effects that um, largely have not held up you know which probably were nah. like, really gross at the time but like where you're like oh yeah. that's amazing so, all right well yeah. that brings us to the end uh thank you again for listening and watching please do vote on those twitter polls like um i genuinely want to see us get a, a lot of engagement um you know, and uh, it, it'll be cool to know that we're watching something that you're interested in um, for us to talk about. So, yeah, until uh, next week. And hopefully, again, the hurricane doesn't affect things. We'll keep you posted. But uh, fingers crossed next week, we will be back with our first episode of Screen Quest. Until then, cheers. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>